quite often sort of, you know, learning or inspiration comes from, uh, from other industries, from, you know, from, from people that you typically wouldn't expect, right? If you surround yourself with, with, with sort of exactly like-minded people with the same backgrounds, the same, you know, engineering degrees from the same universities and, and the same, you know, company uh, uh, legacies, et cetera, you get a similar product. part one of our conversation with Stephen Balfour, he told us about his efforts to modernize mortgage lending with his company Streamloan. In part two of our conversation, he talks about how developing new technology isn't enough. People have to change their behaviors to adopt that technology, and his reasons for why he believes technology companies should be investing their key resources in how to inspire cultural change. Stephen, great to have you back. I'm wanting to now dig into how are do you innovate? How do you overcome challenges? Because we all face challenges. And I'm, I'm sure you've you faced a few different uh, challenges over your time. And I'd love to hear your insight of how you were able to overcome. So looking back um, from the beginning of, of whether it's this organization or your other four endeavors that you said that you built up, what's a, 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 an example where you had a difficulty and then were able to overcome it that another entrepreneur can learn from? So... Uh, we, we could speak for probably hours uh, on, on the topic. Uh, you know, selecting one is, is, is a challenge. I think, um, you know, I, I get inspiration for, for innovation from, you know, a number of, of different places. I think, um, you know, quite often sort of, you know, learning or insp inspiration comes from, uh, from other industries, from, you know, from, from people that you typically wouldn't expect, right? If you surround yourself with, with, with sort of exactly like-minded people with the same backgrounds, the same, you know, engineering degrees from the same universities and, and the same, you know, company uh, uh, legacies, et cetera, you get a similar product. And so, you know, I like to, um, just broadly speaking, you know, challenge, challenge my own thinking. Um, so, you know, sometimes that's, you know, reading other material or, or meeting with people from radically different industries, whether it's, you know, manufacturing or pharma or, or uh, you know, textile design or, you know, radically different industries. Like, you know, how are they tackling problems? How are they thinking about innovation? How do you move, you know, how do you move the ball forward and, and think about doing something differently? And, you know, I, I guess just, you know, in, in the spirit of kind of staying focused on, on sort of the mortgage world, um, I had the blessing and the curse of never being a loan officer, right? So I knew enough to be dangerous after doing more transactions, you know, as a real estate investor going through the consumer mortgage experience, refi and purchase and HELOCs and second, and all this nonsense. That, that I knew enough about what the borrower experience should be and could envision through a lot of the consulting experience I, I had had on the enterprise and what the enterprise user persona and view would be that I, I could sort of imagine the world could be a different place, right? And so when you think about innovation, you have to be able to expand your mind. And you know, a lot of times the reason industries uh, or, or companies don't change is they just keep doing the same thing again and again and again and don't really believe that things can be like, this is how we've always done it. We're going to just continue doing it. Like we're making money, we're operating our business. So let's just keep going. And so a lot of the industry insiders sort of, you know, have been doing that in mortgage, you know, continuing to, to manufacture mortgages the way they have for the previous decades. And, you know, we're getting to a point now, and, and you know, we talked about this in a previous discussion, um, you know, the average cost of, of processing a mortgage is, you know, pr approaching $9,000. That's up three times from pre-subprime crisis, which is about 3,000 bucks. So 
you know, at some point the duct tape and the Frankenstein monster that you try to create and, and cobbling a few things together, it just, it doesn't work, right? You have to think about things differently and, you know, and innovation is, is truly uh, taking a step back and looking at, at, at the problem with a fresh perspective. What was what, some of the challenges that you had to overcome to just get it launched that now on your fifth one, you kind of probably even already know subconsciously, if you can think back to when you didn't know, what would be one of those things to just get it launched and get it started? So, you know, again, t- taking sort of a, a page out of, of uh, Eric Reese's, uh, you know, Lean Startup and, and you know, Steve Blank, I, I had uh, the fortune of studying with them during uh, my MBA uh, back in, uh, you know, 2007, 2008. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was definitely... Uh, an eye-opening experience, and it kind of forced you to think about, you know, tackling, you know, problems and industries and customers in, in, in a different way, right? And running a company a different way. So when I think about, you know, previous venture and, and something that we tried uh, tried differently and, and, and it worked, and we were able to sort of get through, it'd be, uh, you know, my previous venture, Ion Grid. Um, it was a mobile collaboration and, and mobile security company. We sold into um, the U.S. government. We sold into utilities. We sold into financial services and, and many other high, highly regulated industries. And we had um, a horizontal solution um, that could be applied to anything from a, a public utility to a university to a financial services company. And when you have a great technology and and it's not vertically focused, sometimes go to market and, and the sales motion and the messaging and sort of the, the world around sales and marketing is challenging. It's like, how do you get the product to market, right? Um, what story should you be telling? What is the value proposition? How much are you saving or how much are you helping, you know, industry grow in terms of revenue or a client grow? So, um, so we ended up, you know, doing a, a number of um, rapid experiments on, uh, on different sort of messaging and sales motions, and ultimately zoomed in on uh, on one industry, the, the storage industry. Uh, so I was uh, EMC a storage engineer in a previous life, and it was kind of watching, you know, NetApp and EMC and Dell and you know a number of these other um, uh, kind of storage technologies, and the the intuition was that they needed to. Um, unleash or offer access a new protocol to the data. The data was really hard to get 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 it to. It was like kind of these old, you know, crummy big storage boxes, and you have to, you know, do, yeah, you know, do some kind of cryptic nonsense to get access to it. It just it wasn't friendly. Uh, you know, with a laptop, you could kind of hack your way. With with a phone, forget about it. You'd never get access to these. So so the intuition was okay. Run a bunch of different experiments. Figure out which industry. Um, so, you know, we looked at professional services, we looked at telecom, we looked at, um, you know, a number of, a number of different sort of, you know, go to market motions, but really thought something around storage was interesting. And um, lo and behold, uh, it, it, it was, we got a lot of interest and we thought about uh, data access protocols a little bit differently. So we thought about it through the lens of our mobile devices being a window into the data. Mm-hmm. And that, that was, that was kind of a breakthrough and went out and tested it. And sure enough, um, while we were going through this sort of industry kind of go to market experimentation, uh, EMC announced that they bought a mobile company, one of our competitors. Okay. So that started to go down. We saw Citrix did something similar. We saw, you know, a number of these organizations buying 
companies that looked exactly like us. So, you know, we, we knew we were onto something, you know, ultimately it led to, uh, you know, to our company also getting acquired by another, another large uh, data management, data storage uh, platform mm-hmm. called NetApp. Yeah. Now, looking forward for your own business, you, you've painted the picture uh, on, our, on our last chat of, of where you're headed. What difficulties do you see you're going to have to overcome? What hurdles do you see you're going to have to overcome in order to realize that vision? So I think, um, like many industries, uh, we've come to a we've come to a place, a development place of technology where technology is usually not, not always, usually not the um, uh, the limitation, hmm. right? So if you want to get to Mars, we have some of the technology to sort of make it happen and, and you know, may, will it work for people? Will, will the rockets blow up? Will they be able to come back, right? So, so there you need, you know, hardcore R&D. But for solving, you know, I'll call them the simple problems on earth, <laughs> mortgage, finance, uh, you know, CRM uh, related things, supply chain, you know, all these sort of, you know, earth type problems that, you know, that are here, we have technology that'll do it. So it's more about, and specifically, um, you know, our experience within the, the mortgage and, and real estate space, it's how do you affect and change consumer behavior mm. um, or user behavior? People don't, you know, people don't change habits. It's really, really difficult to change, you know, a, a bad habit that you've had. Um, and that's been in, embedded, right? And if there's, if you don't have a culture of change uh, and a leadership and investment that goes along with it, like, guess what? People are going to just default back to, to how they've been doing things. And so uh, it doesn't matter how great our rocket ship is or, or our peers or competitors, et cetera. Um, ultimately, if the industry doesn't, adopt adopt these and it's not just signing up with us uh and paying us to use the product like we love that uh but it's you know are they are they actually driving you know more revenue or more converted converted leads are they getting things through the pipeline faster are they reducing that eighty eight hundred dollar cost per loan like do the business metrics actually match you know the story that we tell Mm -hmm. and you know if not, we have a lot of work to do. And guess what? That's not necessarily technology. Yeah, there's some usability stuff and, and, and you know, some design things that we can do to help. And we've invested quite heavily in those areas to, to make it, you know, really simple. Uh, but, but that's, you know, that's it, is, is getting, getting people to do things differently. And it's not easy. <laughs> Behavioral change and getting people to do things differently. That is the, the crux of if you're trying to lead a revolution or a big disruption in something where people have been doing the same thing forever and ever, and that probably applies to the, any other tech industry, uh, to, to, to see that, to make that happen, um, what actionable or, or, or uh, pragmatic things are you working on to help that behavioral change in mindset? Sure. Yeah. So without getting, you know, giving away our secrets yes. you know, to the castle, uh, myself and my my co-founder and, and CTO um, at Streamload both have um, what I would say a, a unique perspective into the industry. Right, we have deep deep industry experience within real estate and mortgage, deep technology experience, but we also have come from a technology DNA. Both of us, we met at Deloitte a um, you know, long long time back and worked together. And you know what what I learned there is that you can't truly transform industries with technology alone. 
it's mm. sufficient, but it's necessary, but not sufficient. So it, it takes something else. It's, it's the je ne sais quoi. Like, well, well what is it? It's, it it's, it's the change management and change leadership. And early on in my career, you know, I was like the hardcore techie and, you know, I'm like, that's fluffy stuff. The reality is that's the real stuff. Tech is pretty easy. Uh, it's, it's the, it's the, how do you, how do you, uh, invoke change and, and what are all the incentives and the type of motivations to get people to do something differently? And, and, and then also sort of get excited about it, right? Like not begrudgingly do their stuff like, ah, I got it. But, but really kind of, um, treat it like flow, right? I think, you know, Apple has done a, a fantastic job. Like you, you, I don't know what to do. Like my day doesn't start without my iPhone. And so it has to be so ingrained in your, in your life and flow that it's, it's natural and, and it's hard. The, the simple statement you say of a lot of tech founders have fo- focused on, oh, the tech, that's cool. The fluffy stuff, that doesn't matter. You reverse it saying, no, the fluffy stuff, the people, how they feel, that's what matters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I never thought I would say that, but uh, I, I, I did today. <laughs> you just did. Awesome. So uh, books, um, podcasts, audiobooks. are there any that you've been reading or you, are favorites that uh, you have enjoyed? Yeah. So, you know, I, I wish I had more time to just consume information. If, if I could be a full-time student, um, I, I, I absolutely would. Um, uh, again, I, I, I think about sort of learning and, and just e- exposing myself to, to as much as much as I can from as many different sources is, is critical to, uh, you know, to being a great leader and, and, you know, within our company, but also within the industry. So, you know, I, you know, you may kind of laugh at some of these titles, but like, don't sweat the small stuff, right? I'm rereading that for like the third time. And it's all about keeping perspective, right? And, and we need that more today than ever. Um, com- uh, books like Blink, right? Easy page turners, New York, uh, you know, you know, Times bestsellers, etc. But that's all about intuition matters, right? And then we talked uh, earlier about, you know, how, how, you know, I had some intuition around where to take things, right? Whether, whether that's, you know, here or at a previous company, um, it matters, right? Uh, and and there, there's some just some great insights there. Um, the Economist is just a page turner, you know, sometimes it can be pretty dry, but, uh, but I love it, right? It's, it's, easy, it's easy to kind of read and consume three, four, five, you know, 10 page article and then, and then move on. It's just good, good information. It's well-written. Uh, books like The Lean Startup, I'm rereading that again. You know, I, we, we had that uh, as some reading material back in, uh, back in grad school. And, you know, I had the fortune to study with Steve Blank and, and spend some time with Eric Reese. And, and you know, their, their work is, is fantastic. And, and there's so many, so many insights and, and you know, ways of just kind of rethinking what you're doing. And so going back to brass tacks, mm-hmm. uh, so that, you know, that's, that's a great one. The Intelligent Investor um, by, uh, by Mr. Graham. Uh, that one, that one's awesome, right? We're going through a lot of turbulence in the market. Sometimes it's good to go back to the brass tacks. And, you know, I had a, I'm, I'm rereading a, an autographed copy by Warren Buffett. I had a chance to spend a day with him during grad school, uh, 2007, which was just like this phenomenal epic day. Um, so, and, you know, this is one, one of his favorite, uh, favorite books and, uh, and was a mentor of, of his in investing. So chewing on that one. Um, and then Alan Greenspan, the age of turbulence, um, which is all around sort of nine 11 and, and these, these like big event, big one-time events that, you know, potentially 
reshape the world forever, you know, going forward. So just starting to kind of, you know, get, get back in and, and, and reread that and kind of go through the mindset and the thinking like, oh, sh you know, shoot, the world is, is ch it's changed and it's hard for people to believe like, you know, with the coronavirus and, you know, just, you know, the, the horrible cases and deaths and, and, and infection and, and the world pressing pause and, you know, what's the impact to, you know, global growth and GDP and all of that and, and lives, you know, down to, you know, people that, you know, can't, uh, can't pay their rent because they, you know, they're, they're service workers. Like it's, it's, it's challenging, but it's good again, just to have some perspectives. So those are a few. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to end with this last question. Sure. Looking forward, uh, what kind of tech innovations do you predict we'll see in the near future and in the long, uh, in the long term? So one year, two years, and then 10 years. Yeah. So, you know, I, I like to move away from the buzzwords, but um, I've always found being on the perimeter and pushing the boundaries help define success, the early success, and then, you know, breaking into new industries. And so, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was doing big data before the, the, the term big data even, you know, was invented, you know, back in like 2000, right. Um, I was doing, you know, mobile, mobile, mobile security and bring your own device, you know, on the very early days when, when devices were still kind of, you know, being developed and, and new, new, new form factors were coming out. So um, things like RPA and artificial intelligence, machine learning, and, and some of these other, you know, I'll call them buzzwords, but there, there's actually some real meats behind them, especially if, if you can invoke the change uh, mm -hmm. and, and figure out how to tie it back from a science experiment to actually making a difference, right, to, um, you know, to one of your customers' businesses, um, which is really the big deal. So I think for the foreseeable future, um, data will continue to, to become, um, you know, a, different, a differentiator. And those organizations that know how to mine, collect, and use data, um, you know, many of the big, you know, common examples now, of course, are Amazon and Google and, and Facebook and such. That's sort of an archetype for every organization. That concludes the audio version of this episode. To see the original and more, visit our Uptech Report YouTube channel. If you know a tech company we should interview, you can nominate them at uptechreport.com. Or if you just prefer to listen, make sure you subscribe to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app.